God's love is so good, amen? amen. I'll tell you what, I think uh, I need that message about a hundred times a day, every day. I don't know about you. And the passage that we're going to look at in Leviticus this morning does not say the word love, but God's loving fingerprints are all over it. And we're in Leviticus 23 as we're looking at these fantastic feasts that God gave to the people who loved him back, who followed him, who celebrated him, who, who knew his faithfulness, who had seen it, who were part of his covenant. He gave them these moments, these holy days, these holidays to be able to celebrate and to remember his faithfulness to them and their relationship with him built on that love. And so a couple of the themes that we see that, that keep coming back, and we'll focus on them today, is that God gives us these ideas of remembrance and rest. That as his people went through these days, those were important elements of all of these. And so that's what we're going to see this morning, and we'll unpack it, but how God invites his people, and I think he invites us right now, to remember to rest and rest to remember. You got that? To remember to rest and rest to remember. And so we'll jump right into it because the first thing I think we see is how God reminds us to remember. In Leviticus chapter 23, we're looking at verse 23 to 32 this morning, and we actually get to see two of the three feasts that all happen in the same month, the seventh month of the year. And this is what it says there. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Also, the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. So the seventh month is going to have three different holy days that the people would celebrate. We're looking at two of them here today, the Feast of Trumpets, and the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement would be the most solemn day of the entire year for God's people. It would be followed later in the month by the most joyful day, the Feast of Booths, which we'll look at next week. But there's something fascinating that's going on here. Because you see this idea of Sabbath, and you see this emphasis on the seventh month. Well, you may know that word Sabbath actually just means seventh. Six days God created, and on the Sabbath, the seventh, he rested. And that becomes an important number for God in a number of ways as a gift to us. I heard a speaker at a leadership conference talking this weekend, and as, as kind of a side note, he brought up how so much of our calendars are based on solar lunar things. You know, our year is based on how long it takes us to get around the sun. Our day is how long it takes us to spin once around our axis. A month is based on the moon. But what about a week? Where, where does that come from? Seven days, why? Now, because that's something that God gave to us. God said we're going to count seven days, and on the seventh, you're going to rest. Just like I did, because you need that. And so not only the seventh day, but now also in the seventh month, God says, hey, we hit a, a Sabbath again. We've hit another seventh. We're going to rest. And so he's got all of these holidays packed into this month for his people to slow down and remember. 
to remember who God is, to remember what he's done for them, to remember how he's brought them out of Egypt, how he's been faithful to them, how he's given them the law, how he's walked with them. And so you can think about this, this kind of Sabbath season is a little bit like the season that we call the holidays. You know, where we've got Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's all packed into really a short period of time, and everything's just a little bit different for about six weeks there, isn't it? We're spending our time a little bit differently. We're spending our time with different people, people that we don't always see. We're looking back at the year that has been. We're looking forward at the year that is to come. And there's just sort of a a different feel to the holidays. That's what this seventh month would be like for God's people. Because here, on the very first day, they would start with the Feast of Trumpets. On the tenth day, they would have the Day of Atonement. And later was coming the Feast of Booths. And it's like just a, a season of slowing down. This would have come after the grapes and the olives had been harvested, but before the winter, that God built something into the calendar, built something into the schedule to make sure that the people remember to remember. And I love that idea of how he ties that to Sabbath. And I think, that's, I think that idea that God attaches it to the calendar is really important for us. You know, this is something that you may have heard me talk about before, but Sabbath was not a thing for me for a long time. Taking that kind of rest, taking those kinds of moments to pull back from other things and just remember who God is, was not part of my rhythm. And I read a book a couple of years ago called The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan, and I found something really helpful in here. Because it's, it's easy for me at least, I'll just speak for myself, to hear a word like Sabbath. And it's a, it's a big, spiritual, religious word. And, and to become really legalistic about it and say, well, as long as there's one day a week where, like, I don't check my email, then technically I have observed a Sabbath, right? But what I discovered for myself was that I can leave the email alone. I can technically not work. And then I can fill my day with so many other, you know, projects or extracurricular activities where I'm running over here or I'm doing this thing or finally I can do the shopping or finally I can work on the finances or finally I can... that I didn't work, but I still didn't rest. And so one of the idea, the concepts that, that came out of this book that was helpful for me, and I've seen this other places, is, is to when we hear that word Sabbath, when we hear that word rest, a word that might make more sense to us these days is margin. That we intentionally schedule margin into our calendars, just like God did for his people. That you go into the calendar and you say, not just, Monday is not just open, but Monday is scheduled as rest. You know, Monday is scheduled as extra time as an individual or with family to focus on who God is and what he might be speaking. And then when somebody calls you up and says, what are you doing Monday? It's not, well, I don't know, it's, it's, it's Monday for me. That's why I keep saying Monday. <laughs> yeah, it's not that, oh, well, there's nothing on the calendar. It's, oh, actually, I'm, I'm resting that day. You know, and to put it into our rhythm that way, to create kind of that accountability is helpful for us, and that's what God's doing for his people. So that if they forget at all the other times of the week, well, on the 7th, God marked it on the calendar. He didn't pencil it in. He told them this is a day of rest. And if they forget all the other times of the year, well, here are these feasts, these holy days to remind us to slow down and remember. So God reminds us to remember so that we can rest for remembrance. 
So you see in verse 23 and then in verse 24, he says, You shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on that day, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. You see that phrase, memorial of blowing of trumpets, a remembrance, a reminder. And the trumpets are how they're going to do this. On the first day of that seventh month, if for any other reason you've forgotten, when you wake up in the morning and you hear the trumpets blow, it's a memorial. It's a remembrance. It's a reminder. Now, when we see the word trumpet, we probably think of something like this. This is not what they would think of. The trumpets that they would be talking about were like a ram's horn. It was hollow on the inside so that they could blow in one end and make a big loud noise coming out the other end. I do not have one of those, but I do have one of these. (laughs) And with my apologies to Mrs. Benson, who taught me for two years how to play this, I'm going to blow the trumpet for you. hear it have i got your attention you see that's the picture that's coming through here if you were sleeping just now man i'm not even that far into it come on but if you were sleeping just now i've got your attention don't i this is like a wake-up call and and that's the picture that's happening here is god says this is going to remind you This is going to be a memorial of blowing trumpets. And you know what? As obnoxious as this might be, as loud as this might be, this is just one trumpet. Imagine the whole of the people of God getting up on the first day of the seventh month and saying, it's trumpet time. Right? All of us bringing this brass, that ram's horn into the room and saying, feast of trumpets, what a day! Right? You see, what God is doing is he's using the picture of the trumpet to get our attention. And as you look at how Jewish scholars describe this, what's kind of amazing is that there's this picture here that it's not only to get the people's attention, to call them to rest, to call them to remember, but that symbolically this people see it as getting God's attention too. Saying, God, remember your covenant with us. You know, we see that language throughout the Old Testament, and we know God doesn't forget In fact, time and time again in the history of his people, they forget, and God still remembers. But he's given them this day, he's given them these trumpets, he's given them that obnoxious sound that they can all make together as a reminder to them and a reminder to him that they are in this covenant relationship. I don't know if it's a perfect example, but it made me think a little bit of Horton Hears a Who. When at the end of the story, all of the who's on this little flower have to make the biggest noise they possibly can, right? To make sure people know they're there. That's kind of what this moment would be like. Blast that trumpet, raise those voices. God, we're here and we know we are your people. And so it's not just one person. It's not just a priest with a trumpet, but it's it's the people. It's the community. As one commentator put it, this idea of remembering memory is a vital means for both parties of a covenant to keep the covenant relationship alive. That's why God builds this into the calendar. If for any other reason you have forgotten, you're going to see this day on the calendar and say, it's time to remember. In fact, some even point forward to how 
with the Day of Atonement coming on the 10th of the same month, that the trumpets would be a moment to say, and guess what? Once you hear the trumpets, you know, not only is today a special day, but another day is coming when we will be forgiven of all of our sins and our iniquities that we've committed in the past year. So start to prepare. So it's a memorial that slows us down to remember to intentionally safeguard the covenant relationship. Now, now think about that. Is there anything that you can think of in our culture, in our society, in our relationships where once a year we set aside some special time to remember a covenant relationship? This is what we do in marriage, right? This is what the anniversary is. And husbands, we remember this day if for no other reason than not to get in trouble, (laughs) right? But this is the reality of, of what that's meant to be. You see, God is telling them, once every year, we're going to blow these trumpets, we're going to have these days, you're going to see these moments, and the idea is that we do it every year because we need to keep being reminded of the covenant relationship, of the vows, the promises that God made to his people, and the promises that that they live in as his people, the covenant that they have through the loving relationship with God. You see, in, in marriage, we have this big, beautiful wedding day, and we celebrate, and we make promises, and we make vows, and we say, I'll love you forever till death do us part. And then how weird would it be to never stop and remember that and celebrate it again? How how weird would it be to say, well, so I, I guess we're married now, and so let's get on with it. But the reality is, life gets busy. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of kids. There's so many things going on, and you always have other things to do, and And it's easy to slip out of how much you really love each other. So if at no other time than this one day a year, there's something built into the calendar that says, don't forget. Remember those vows. Keep those promises. Stay together. Remember everything that you've been through together. Every reason that you fell in love. Every way that you've grown in love. Everything that you're hoping for as you move forward together, remember. Because there will be times when it is difficult in marriage, in life, that God says, remember what we have been through together. Remember what I have walked you through. Remember the hope you have for where we're going together. And my wife and I had an opportunity to go to a family life event earlier uh, this year called The Weekend to Remember. And my wife, uh, I'll, just, I'll just level with you, Melissa had been wanting to go for a number of years, and I always kind of ignored it like, oh yeah, I'll look into it, oh we missed it again. And, sorry. <laughs> um, probably didn't have good reasons, I just thought that's more like a girl thing, right, like they want to celebrate. I don't know, I, I had problems. So this year, we finally got to go. And even there, it's like I gave it to her as a gift. I was like, well, this is really more for her, but it'll show her how much I love her. You know, that'll be a good thing. I tell you what, if you have not been to one of those, go to one of those, okay? If if you're me right now and you're like, yeah, I heard about those, I don't know. Go to one of those. One of the coolest parts of that was not only that we got to rest, to remember, you know, step away from everything else for a weekend and just focus on each other. But the last thing that they did at the end of the weekend, so this is kind of spoiler alert if you haven't been there before, but they had all the couples stand up and face each other, and, and they gave us this piece of paper titled The Marriage Covenant. And all it had on it, I mean, is, is marriage vows. So that in that moment, 
we could speak them again to each other to remember those things. And for everything that we've been through, for every time that that we wish we made good on our vows and we didn't, to have a moment where we could say, but I remember our loving relationship. We are going to keep in this thing together. We are going to keep walking forward together. And that's what God is offering his people when he brings these moments into their calendar. This feast of trumpets to remind them of what they've been together and what they'll be together. So as we think about that, how can we remember? What does that look like for us sitting in Cincinnati in 2017? You know, I I think there's both an individual and a corporate element to this. And this is helpful for me because sometimes I know the first time I ever read Leviticus, it was like, I think I'll do all of Leviticus in one day so I can just move on with my life, you know, and had virtually no memory of anything that I saw in there. But when we slow down like this and you realize how important it is to God that we rest for remembrance, then we say, okay, well, what, well, what does that look like? Because I don't know about any of you, but I, I didn't blow trumpets on July 1st, right? But this is some of what I think it looks like. Because on the individual level, it's about us remembering our relationship with God. And some of the ways we do that on a regular basis may sound obvious, but they're worth remembering is spending time in prayer. Spending time where we say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put everything else aside, and I just need to talk to you for a minute. I just need to hear from you for a little while. And as a part of that, to do regular confession. At regular times where we are on our knees before God saying, I know that this has been out of line in my life. Even moments where we say, God, I, I think this has been out of line in my life. I'm I'm not sure if this is, is this out of line, God, would you reveal to my heart what your heart looks like and shape mine to be more like yours, to receive his forgiveness in those moments and to give him thanks. You know, I think this is one of those pieces that when something great happens, oh, praise the Lord, what a, what a day, what a great thing, right? But he teaches us to give him thanks always through Jesus Christ. That whether the circumstances are good or the circumstances are bad, that we always have things to be thankful for and they may be completely unrelated to our circumstances. It may be as simple as thanking him for his unfailing love, for his full redemption, for his grace, his mercy, his kindness in Christ. This reminds us the relationship we have the God of the universe. Another part of that is just staying in his word, reading it, memorizing it, so that it sinks into your heart, so it sinks into your mind, that that when you're in places where you don't have it with you and and you're in a crisis and you don't know what you need to know and he just, he brings something to mind for you because you read it that day or you read it last week or you memorized it a month ago and he says, meditate on it day and night. Here it is for you, this reminder and for me, maybe not for you, but, but I'd recommend this. For me, I've got to write that stuff down. Because inevitably what will happen is I'll have one of those days where I feel like I just have like a moment of spiritual clarity. And God, you are so good. And this is exactly the passage that I needed. And it speaks to everything that is going on right now. And then like three months later, God, everything is going I don't understand what's going on right now. What have I done? Just to be able to flip back a few pages and say, oh, maybe that's why he was teaching me. Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 
Maybe that's why he was teaching me about Psalm 103. I, I need it again, Lord. Remind me. So those things as disciplines help us remember. But it's not just individual. Just as it wasn't for the Israelite people, it wasn't just one person blowing a trumpet and saying God is good, but it was the community. And so there are corporate things that we do. Multiple times in our passage this morning, it says that this is a holy convocation, a called out meeting of the people of God, a gathering of those who are part of this relationship with him. And so we also have shared celebrations. And some of those are easy to picture, right? Because like Christmas and Easter, everybody shows up. These are big days. These are holidays, holy days when we remember how God came into the world. In the flesh, born to dwell among us, to save us from our sins. We remember when he went to the cross and he rose again. On those days, man, we are all getting together. But it's not just those days. We're doing it right now. Right? Whatever brought you here this morning, whatever you think about God right now, whatever you think he thinks about you, whatever whatever season of life you're in, whatever you're learning, there is a reason in your head, probably in your heart, that you woke up early enough on the weekend to gather with the rest of us. This right here is a holy convocation. This is a time that we set aside. We say for a little while, I'm just going to rest. I'm going to sing to the God who created me. I'm going to dig into his word with other people. This is is a corporate moment where we share celebration of who God is, what he's done, and we remember. You know, and there may be things like this that you do outside of these walls. You know, when, when you meet with a small group, when you spend time with your family over scripture, when you pray with your kids and teach them how to pray. You know, one of the things that I love that we do uh, as a staff here, as a way of celebrating and remembering, is every Wednesday morning, uh, we have something that's just called Staff Praise and Prayer. Not real complicated, but extremely powerful. And I remember when I first came on staff, and like my whole Wednesday is booked with meetings, and we're going to start with staff praise and prayer. I mean, praise is good, prayer is good, but like I got, I got like things to do. <laughs> but I thought, you know what though, I care about prayer, and I care about the staff. All right, I, I love this team. I'll, you know, let, let's show up, let's see how it goes, and hopefully it's not like a complete... Can I just tell you, sometimes I just don't have a good attitude. <laughs> I will tell you now, that is one of the absolute most important times of my week. To have that holy convocation, to just gather with the other people that are on this team with me, who are, who are chasing after following Christ with me, and to hear the things that they are praying about, to hear the things that they praise God for, the way that they've seen him move, to remember what he's doing and what he's going to do. That, I'll I tell you, if I miss it, it's like it throws off my whole Wednesday. Nothing else is going to go well because I miss that time of bonding with the other people of God over who he is. That's why the corporate part of this is so important. So God reminds us to remember. We rest for remembrance, and then we rest for repentance. This is really what the Day of Atonement is all about. And you see in verse 26, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying... Also, the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. One of the cool tricks of Hebrew that's happening here is that that phrase, day of atonement, 
is actually Day of Atonements. Because in Hebrew, the plural makes it superlative. So this is not just atonement for that one thing you did. This is atonements for everything that all of God's people had done that broke the vows that he had made with them in this covenant relationship. So the plural makes it superlative, that this is full and complete expiation, full and complete atonement. Everything that was wrong between God and his people made right again. Every penalty paid, every forgiveness offered for every sin, every iniquity, every wrongdoing on the day of atonements. And then he calls them to celebrate this in a little bit different way. It's not the trumpets again. He uses this phrase, afflict your souls. What a strange phrase. What does that mean? Because it pretty much sounds like, at first glance, beat yourselves up for a day. But I think there's a little bit more nuance going on here. Because the phrase actually means humble yourself by fasting. And the sense here is that we humble ourselves by denying earthly pleasures for sincere repentance and forgiveness. You can think about it this way. If I'm trying to hear from God, if I'm trying to let God test my heart, if I'm trying to ask Him to see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'll just speak for myself again, but that is a lot harder to do if I also have the football game on and I'm also surfing through the iPad, and I'm also talking to the kids, and I also have the music too loud. I'm just distracted. And so the idea is is that we are somber. I mean, this this is probably the heaviest day, the most somber day on their calendar, because they want to be serious about the recognition of what they have done that deserves judgment that God is about to offer forgiveness for. But the afflicting of the souls is not an attempt to put the punishment on themselves, but to remove the distractions. Because then every time you think, you know, if you've removed food, I'm kind of hungry. Just like the trumpets, it reminds you what this day is about, what this day is for. And to be on your knees before the God who is going to make atonement for his people. You remember back in chapter 16, we talked a little more about what what exactly happened on that day. And just a summary of it is that the priest, on, on only this day out of the entire year, could go all the way in to the Holy of Holies, the closest physical presence to God, where there was something called the atonement slate on which the sacrifice would be made. And one goat would be sacrificed on behalf of the sins of the people. But before the priest could even go in there... Because he's a sinner himself, he had to make his own sacrifice so that he could have forgiveness, so that he wouldn't just walk in there and drop dead. And when he gets in there, he offers one goat as a sacrifice for the atonement, to pay the price for the sins of the people. And then on another goat, they would lay their hands, lay the sins of the people, and send it off into the wilderness to run as far away from the people of God as they could. You see, because the purpose of the Day of Atonement is that it brought forgiveness for the people, for all of their sin. And symbolically through the goat that ran away is this idea of the freedom from sin. That it is forgiven and it is gone. Blotted out. Forgotten. 
Not only that, it would also work for the purification of the tabernacle and the land. Some of the blood would be sprinkled on the tabernacle itself to purify it, to prepare it for another year of serving God and His people in this covenant relationship. This is why it couldn't just be the priest, but it had to be the community. In verse 28, God describes what happens to a person who pretty much refuses this offer. He says, You shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. So you shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever through your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. And you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month at evening. From evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. Now the picture here that we have to understand is that, remember, this is a time where God is renewing his covenant for another year. And the picture that's given to us here is of the person who heard the trumpets nine days ago. And they see everybody today, and and it's not like they're missing a meeting if they decide to work, because nobody else is there. It's a person who's basically saying, well, I don't think I need your forgiveness. I don't think I agree with your covenant. I don't think I like the way you want to do things, God, and I want to do them my way, and and maybe I'll come for atonement next year, but right now I've got other things to do, so I'm going to work, I'm going to eat, I'm going to go on with my life. It's essentially a picture of a person who has chosen to refuse forgiveness. And so God's response to them then is that they basically get what they ask for, unforgiveness. And you would think to yourself, why? But that's kind of the point. If you remember who God is, if you understand what he's trying to do with this day, you would say, all right, then today, no work. Today, I slow down. Today, I remember. The same kind of language is used in Joel chapter 2. And you see how this carries through the history of God's people. But I just love this phrasing here. It says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. Basically, he relents from doing what you really deserve because of his grace, because of his mercy. You see, God is giving us this picture that he wants to meet us in the midst of that failing, that when he sees the sincerity of our hearts, he says, I still love you. I still bring mercy. We see it in Isaiah 58 as well. Isaiah 58 talks about trumpets and talks about afflicting souls. And I'll tell you what, if I just read Isaiah 58, I probably don't think of Leviticus at all. But if I read Leviticus and then I read Isaiah 58, you you can't help hearing it. Listen to what it says. God tells the prophet, lift your voice like a trumpet. Right? Get the people's attention. Tell my people their transgression. And then look at how the people respond. They say, why have we afflicted our souls and you've taken no notice? There's almost this tone like, God, we did the ritual. What's your problem? You see, that goes back to the thing in Joel that 
They're kind of, they're doing the outer stuff without the inner stuff. And look what God says. I think this is kind of tongue-in-cheek. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Well, I thought so. Isn't that what Leviticus 23 says? Right? But see, God doesn't want the outer and the inner separated. This is not just a day for ritual. It's a day for heart change. And he goes on to say, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And what you bring to your house, the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. God is saying that when we afflict our souls, and it's not just ritual, but when we level our hearts before God... That we say we are prepared for forgiveness and we remember your love. He says, then here's what happens. My love flows through you. Then because of the atonement, the forgiveness, the love that you felt, you're going to go express love to others to show them the forgiveness that they too can receive. That's the perspective that God gives us. That his love to us flows through us. And because of that, we rest in Christ's atonement. Almost every week in Leviticus, we're coming back to this Jesus principle. Because this is everything. You know, that when we look at ourselves here and now, today, we are not using a tabernacle. We are not sprinkling blood. We don't need two goats. I don't even have one goat. And I don't need it. Oh, praise God, I don't need it. Because Jesus Christ made atonement for you and me. Because Jesus Christ said, Rest, remember, afflict your souls, come to me in repentance, you will receive forgiveness. I will give you rest. You will see the love of the Father. 1 John 4.10 tells us, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. To make us right with God, not because of ritual, not because of what we do, not because of what we've done, but because of Jesus Christ, sacrificed on the cross. He fulfills all of those purposes of the Day of Atonement in full. Forgiveness for the people, freedom from sin, and although we don't have a tabernacle where God dwells, we become the place where the Spirit of God dwells, and He purifies this place so that he can continue the work that he's doing in us and through us. All the spiritual merits of the Day of Atonement are fulfilled for us in Jesus Christ. That's why Hebrews 7, verses 25 to 27, describe the way that Christ makes this sacrifice, because God put this on their calendar every year. For all the sacrifices that they were doing every day, for all the things they had to do every week and every month and then every year another day of atonement. But listen to this. Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, 
undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Jesus' death fulfilled the entire day of atonement. And because he was not only the perfect high priest, but the perfect sacrifice, in his death and resurrection, Jesus fulfills the entire Old Testament sacrificial system. Rest in that. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior this morning, hear the trumpets. I won't do it again. (laughs) But you remember. You know what it sounds like. Hear it. Because that is for you right now. You don't have to wait till the 10th day of the 7th month. In Jesus Christ, every day is a day of atonement. We celebrate it every day. And if you are a brother or sister in Christ today, if you are a son or a daughter of God, rest in his atonement for you. Follow him faithfully. Seek obedience. Call him Lord. Seek to know what it is that he is leading in your life. But rest in his atonement for you because he has done it once for all. That is how we remember. That's why at the Lord's Supper, he tells us, as often as you eat this bread, as often as you drink this cup, do so in remembrance of me. I'd like to close in prayer with you now, and I'd like to do that by actually reading a little bit of Psalm 103, because I think David captures some of this heart perfectly. So would you just bow your heads with me now? Bless the Lord, O our souls, and all that is within us. Bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, O our souls, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that makes atonement for us. Lord, if you kept a record of sins, who could stand? But in you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. Therefore, we love you. 
Therefore, we celebrate your mercy. Thank you that you remember us. May we remember you even as we rest today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I want to thank you all for being here this morning. I pray that you are restful. I pray that you remember today. And I invite you to come back next week for the Feast of Booths. Thanks for coming.